0: The money pit is presented by Diamond Crystal Salt. The benefits are bigger than you expected. After all, you're worth your salt. Diamond Crystal Salt. A brilliant choice since 1886.
1: If your roof starts to leak or your floors really squeak, you live in a mountain.
2: Coast and floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
1: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: And it's time to pick up the phone and call us at 888 Money Pit because we will help you get to work on your home improvement project. 888 666 3974. Look around your house. We know that there is a project on your fall to do list. Let's move it to the done list. We're here to help. 888 888- money pit. You know, with the fall season in full swing, it's also a good time to think about cleaning up your outdoor furniture before we all head into the hibernation mode for the cold weather ahead. So this hour, we're going to have some tips to help you clean and store furniture for the winter so it's good to go next spring.
1: And also ahead, what a super fun time of year we're in. We're going to have some great ideas for really easy and inexpensive Halloween decor coming up.
2: Plus, we've got ideas for winterizing your home to keep that warm air in and the cold air out, including some inexpensive ways to reduce drafts.
1: And this hour, we're giving away a showerhead water filtration system from Aqua. Asana, which is great for softer skin and hair.
2: So, give us a call. The number is one eight 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 Money Pit. That product is worth eighty five bucks. Going out to one caller who reaches us with their home improvement question. Let's get right to those phones. They're lighting up. Leslie, who's first?
1: Jerry in Washington's on the line with an insulation question. How can we help you today?
3: I need to find out if I can insulate my attic crawl space or not. Okay. Uh, what I have is a house built in nineteen sixty, and it's a very low pitch roof. The center of the roof has only got about 18 inches of space above the ceiling joist to the peak of the roof. And right now it's got the under eave vents. And I want to find out, can I blow in insulation, basically covering all those under eave vents up? and then add more vents over the top of the insulation to compensate.
2: Well, if you've only got 18 inches in the high point of that ceiling, is that what you're telling me? Correct. Yeah. Well, you don't, want to, you don't want to cover the vents. Are the vents at the overhang or the soffits? Right. Yeah. You need both sets of vents. You need vents at the soffit and vent at the ridge, because what happens is air will enter in at the at the soffit, Jerry, go up under the roof sheathing and exit at the ridge, so you can't block it. Right. So all, all you should really do is to get as much insulation into those floor joists as possible without blocking the soffit vents and then you might want to add a ridge vent down the peak of the roof which you can easily do from the outside to provide that exhaust venting. Unfortunately, when you have a really low-slope roof like that, it's very difficult to get as much insulation there as you might want it to get.
3: Yeah, that's what I was afraid of. I was hoping to be able to go all the way to the edge of the the side of the house.
2: Well, the thing is, if you you put all that insulation in there, it's going to be so damp and moist it's just not going to insulate. You've got to have the, the ventilation to dry it out. And keep it working properly.
3: Well, you answered my question. It wasn't right. exactly. Not mine. the answer you wanted, but but <laughs> it is the right answer.
2: So <laughs> Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit.
1: Debbie in Delaware, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? I have
4: a home built in two thousand and six. I have an unfinished basement. All the walls are cement. Uh, my air conditioning and heating unit is down there. Okay. I have a very fine white. Um, it's not even a dust. It's like a powder that's getting through the whole house.
2: Through the whole house.
4: It's going. It's going through the whole house. Um, it's com- It's got to be coming through the heating and air conditioning vent. Okay. Hmm. Um. I don't know if it's something. It. it it feels like the same powder that is like on the cement walls, like something was sprayed onto them.
2: So are the these are concrete block walls?
4: Um, solid concrete.
2: Solid concrete. All right. And do you see any sort of white powder that's sticking to the concrete, to the, to absolutely. the cement walls? You do? Okay.
3: Yes,
4: absolutely. So, like if I go to wipe my finger on it, it's almost like chalkboard.
2: Yep. Okay. So here's what's going on. Uh, Then they may be. They may not be connected. These two observations. But in so far as the walls are concerned, that's a mineral salt deposit. And what happens is the water that uh, collects around the outside of your foundation will uh, draw into the wall. The walls are very absorb and it will draw into the wall and it will evaporate. The moisture will evaporate into your basement, but it will leave behind the mineral salt deposits that are, that are in the soil and in the water. And that's that okay. white powder. Sometimes it looks light gray. And you can prove it to yourself just by taking a little bit of vinegar uh, and wiping down the wall. Usually vinegar will melt salts and makes it disappear. Okay. Now, it's nothing harmful about it. But it does indicate that you have too much moisture collecting around your foundation perimeter, Debbie. So I do want you to take a look out there and make sure that the soil is sloped to grade away from the walls. Uh, also, make sure that your gutters are clean and free-flowing and that you're not doing anything to really retain water at the foundation perimeter. If, if in the worst case scenario, this kind of situation can develop into a wet basement. And so we don't want it to get that far for you.
4: Yeah. Could that be getting into the air conditioning and the heating unit?
2: Doubtful. Uh, I think you're seeing some other type of dust that's getting into the HVAC system. So let's talk about what to do with that. Now, in most cases with homes that were built, and in, in that you said 2006 and that era, most of the heating systems are going to have a, a fiberglass filter in them. Now, do you know where your filter is for your air conditioner and I heating do. system? Okay. Is it in the blower compartment? Yeah. Okay. So typically, if you look in there, you've got a very thin fiberglass filter. Those are not very effective filters. They just don't do a great job.
4: That's the one that I change?
2: Yeah, the one that you change. Exactly. Okay. Now, what you could do is you could get a better quality uh, filter for that same space.
4: I change them like every month
2: yeah I know, and the thing is you shouldn't have to you have to change them every month because you know they are not very good filters, and they clog okay. up easily and they let a lot of stuff through, and you know we call them rock stoppers because it's pretty much all they stop, <laughs> so what you might want to do is get a first of all you get a better quality filter for that blower compartment and if you look for one that's pleated that's a good start uh three m has a, a line of filters that are pretty efficient, they're going to have a MERV rating on them, M-E-R-V. Now, when you look at the MERV number, keep in mind that the higher the number, the better. Okay. So a MERV you know, eight is better than a MERV five, and a MERV twelve is better than a MERV eight. And so, the higher the MERV number, the more efficient the filter system. Now, if you want to step it up from there and really put a a, a much better quality air cleaning system onto the house, then you may look to an electronic air cleaner or an electrostatic air cleaner. And these would require a slight modification of your ducts. With the electronic air cleaner, uh, it fits basically somewhere in the return side. And, you know, it's about three inches wide, and it uses a combination of static electricity uh, and a filter to pull absolutely all the dust out. Now we're talking about a filter that can take out, you know, minute-sized particles of dust and air and even virus-sized particles.
1: Okay. Thank you very much.
2: You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
1: You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Well, we are in the fall season and we're here to help you stay warm and be prepared for those winter nights up ahead. So whatever you are working on, we're here to lend a hand at 1-888-MONEYPIT.
2: 888-666-3974. Still ahead when spring finally arrives and it's time to pull up your lawn furniture. Do you want a moldy, grimy mess to deal with? Well, if you don't, you better store it properly. We'll have tips after this.
4: the Money Pit.
0: The Money Pit is presented by Aero Sheds, the leader in steel storage sheds and buildings. Steel sheds are durable, secure, and a great value. Arrow Storage Products, available at national home centers, hardware stores, and online. See a complete
1: line of products at Sheds.com.
2: Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
1: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: Give us a call right now with your home improvement question we are standing by to help you get to the bottom of that do-it-yourself dilemma. And one caller we talked to on the air this hour could win the Aquasana AQ4100, which is basically a very cool water filter with a shower head. It gets rid of 91% of chlorine and 60 different contaminants. It is great for softer skin and healthier hair. Two things I'm sure guys struggle with every single day. Their website, if you're curious, is aquasana.com. But give us a call right now. The number is 888 money pit. We would love to talk to you.
1: Next up, we've got Roger in Alaska, who's got a super loud heater. And I guess in Alaska, your heat is on a lot. So you want it to be kind of quiet. <laughs> Welcome, Roger.
3: We, we bought a bed and breakfast up here. And uh, we're not using it as a bed and breakfast. We're just living in it. Okay. And one of, the, one of the last things that was done to it was they replace this old 77% efficient furnace with a brand-new cutting-edge 97%er. Um, and we did a bunch of insulation work on it and everything after that, too. But one thing we notice is the vents. I mean, when that thing, it's like it's a variable stage, and right. the vents seem to roar sometimes when, uh, when it gets to blowing warm air. So, we haven't heard it kick on, I think, full power. I mean, and maybe that's it, that we're just starting to hear it. And I'm wondering can, can we're probably going to have to contact the HVAC guys, but is there anything that can be done or maybe open the, uh, the ends of, I mean, you replace the floor grates with something that's wider apertures or something. It just sounds like there's a lot of noise coming out of it.
2: The one question I would have is, did they change the blower speed? Because if the blower speed is uh, higher than it was before, and it might be necessary by, depending on the type of, the, of uh, high efficiency furnace that was installed, but the blower speed was stepped up, that could make for louder uh, air noises going through the duct system. And second to that, it is possible to uh, do a few things to quiet the duct systems if they're uh, expanding and contracting and sort of making that oil can popping sound. They can be reinforced to slow that down. They can also be insulated, uh, and you can add additional bracing to it to cut down vibration. So I think you got to isolate as to whether or not this is just wind speed because of the blower, or is it vibration and expansion and contraction uh, because the ducts are just sort of old and loose and, and, like you say, potentially undersized. So you do need to look into it a little bit deeper, but rest assured that there are a couple of things that you could do to probably quiet it, although having said that, the high-efficiency systems are louder sometimes than the old ones, because the old ones only had a really a, kind of a lazy burner that lit up, and then the blower that just sort of chugged along. High-efficiency systems have uh, draft inducers, which are motors that come on and pull the gases through the system so that you're assured of getting every single BTU out of the gas that you burn. That's what gives you the efficiency, but it does add just a bit to the noise component.
3: Yeah, we we don't know the history on the thing because we just moved in, and we do know the gas bills were pretty horrendous over recent years. That was part of the disclosure and the the sale of the house and all. So we're we're happy to have the high-efficiency system. But um, it, like like you said, maybe it's just it's it's requirement because because of the uh, the high efficiency of it. But uh, yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to look into a few other things. I'm afraid that it's gonna involve getting an HVAC company in to possibly change out the the squirrel cage blower, and and really, it's a new system. I'd rather not do that.
2: That's something that I would not do, and frankly, that would have been part of the furnace anyway, so you wouldn't just replace that if it, you know, those are multi-speed blowers, and the, the fan speed can be adjusted, but that would not be part of what I would expect. Okay.
3: Well, I I love y'all's show. Um, I'm just worried that we may have bought a money pit up here in Alaska, but we love it. I tell you.
2: Well, Roger, if it it turns out that's what you did, you know the number, (laughs) (laughs) 888-MONEY-PIT.
3: Thanks so much. Love the show.
2: Well, as outdoor living season starts to come to a close, the time has come for your outdoor furniture to go into hibernation. But before you just pack it up and stick it in the shed, it's a good idea to clean it. We suggest you start with the furniture cushions and pillows. You want to thoroughly vacuum them on all sides and surfaces. Mm
1: -hmm. Now, when it comes to cleaning, it really depends on what type of material your furniture is made out of. So if you've got plastic furniture, you want to clean that with a mixture of dish soap, borax, and a half a cup of peroxide, all in one gallon of water. And you can use a nylon brush to help scrub down those furnishings, and then just make sure you rinse it really well. For metal furniture, simple soapy water and a lot of elbow grease is going to do the job. And you can also remove any rust stains with some sandpaper or a wire brush. I mean, it's really key to just make these look nice before you wrap them up.
2: And for wood furniture, you want to wipe it down and make note of any pieces that need refinishing when they come out again in the spring, like my teak patio table, which is definitely showing some wear. I try to save that project, though, for my kids. I think it's a really good... You know, it's a really good project to keep them busy on a spring or summer afternoon.
1: Now we've got Mark in Iowa on the line who's got an insulation question. How can we help you today?
3: live here in the Midwest, so
5: obviously we do get the temperatures uh, getting below zero. So I've been kind of doing some research on the spray foam. And the one question that I'm not for certain of is when it comes to the walls and then the sill plate. okay best thing I can determine, it looks like when it comes to the walls, is probably the closed cell, but then getting up into the sill plate, I can't tell. I've seen it two ways. One says be okay with the closed cell, and others, eh, just fill the whole thing with Open cell. Don't know what's the best way to go.
2: Okay. Have you taken a look at the isonine products? Yes, I have. Because we've had some very positive experiences with isonine, and uh, we also um, have been in homes where isonine has been applied. In particular, they use them on uh, a number of this old house properties and had very good success. So I'm very comfortable with that product. Now, in terms of open cell versus closed cell, they don't necessarily have a preference. But the key with the spray foam insulations is to make sure that, A, you have a good quality product and, B, that you have very trained installers because the installation, can you can really make it or break it when it comes to the installation quality. If you don't have installers that are really experienced with the products, they can uh, leave areas that are un- under-insulated. They can actually apply too much insulation and uh, cause problems as a result of that. So I would focus on the product and the installers that are going to put it together first. Okay.
5: All right. I guess my biggest concern is I haven't seen any indication to worry about uh, water, moisture issues, but it's the, the wind barrier, the air barrier.
2: Well, there's two benefits to using spray foam insulation over a fiberglass insulation. Um, the first is... Of course, the insulating ability, but the second is the air barrier ability because spray foam insulation both seals out drafts and insulates at the same time. So that's the benefit of, of that product over, uh, say, a bat product like fiberglass or, or frankly, even, even cellulose because you don't get the air sealing capabilities. Now, is this uh, a new home that you're constructing? Where is the insulation going to be used?
5: Yeah, it was an unfinished basement. When we moved in, built in about 2005, 2006.
2: How's the rest of the house uh, insulated?
5: Uh, up in the ceiling, it is kind of like you know, the real fluffy type of cotton spray.
2: It sounds like blown-in fiberglass.
5: Yeah, it's not rolled or anything. It is loose, so it could be raked around and everything, but it doesn't itch to the touch. For the most part, it, it's well insulated. It's just the basement was... Poured concrete looks like the brick look, and I'm finishing the basement. And if I'm gonna spend a little money, I'd rather do it right, and yeah. that's why I have been trying to bypass the fiberglass and looking at the spray foam.
2: Well, also, you're gonna find there's a lot of drafts that get in that band joist area, and that's gonna make the first floor a lot warmer. You know, um, yeah. fi- finally, to kind of address your question about open versus closed. Um, What we hear uh, from the marketplace is that many people really prefer closed over open because it reduces the chance of moisture getting into the product.
5: Yeah, and that's why the walls, I kind of lean more towards that. But the sill plate area, there are some areas where it might be hard for them to spray in there. And that's where one of the quotes I got back was recommending to going just straight open cell and just fill it
2: you know look, it really depends on whether, what, what you need to, what you need to do to get a hundred percent coverage and if the tools and, it, and it, that may be the truth because the tools have to get up in there uh, and they may not be flexible enough for some of those nooks and crannies in that particular scenario so yeah you know if that's with feedback I, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that
1: well when your home is damaged due to fire flood storm or another disaster it's heartbreaking. Uh-huh. But when your insurance company gives you the runaround, it's devastating.
2: Up next, learn how to figure out exactly what you're covered for before the unthinkable happens.
0: Money Pit is brought to you by Plastics Make It Possible, reminding you that October is National Energy Awareness Month. From plastic foam insulation to LED light bulbs, products made with plastics help you save on energy bills in your home and contribute to sustainability year-round. For more information, visit PlasticsMakeItPossible.com.
2: Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at MoneyPit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler.
1: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: Well, all across America, if there's a disaster, be it a fire, a flood, or a hurricane, you can bet there will be insurance companies who try to get out of paying claims. And I got to tell you, here in the tri-state area where Leslie and I are based, claims from Hurricane Sandy are no exception.
1: That's right. Because of disasters like Hurricane Sandy, along with the more frequent severe weather that we've been getting, insurance companies are shifting more risk and cost to you than ever. So you need to know exactly what your policy covers and what it doesn't. So here to help us all figure it out is Rick Edelman, the chairman and CEO of Edelman Financial Services. Welcome, Rick.
2: Great to be with you. Thanks. We're always so shocked when we have a claim and it turns out the insurance will come back and say it's not covered. What's the best way to make sure we have the coverage we believe that we've been paying for for many years in most cases?
6: Well, I hate to say it, but the best approach is to read the policy contract itself. I hate to say that because who's going to find fun in reading an insurance contract. And chances are you might not be able to understand it fully because, let's face it, it's written by lawyers, uh, to be read by other lawyers. So do your best to read it. If you have questions, ask your insurance agent.
2: Now, most policies, most homeowner policies don't cover uh, some natural disasters like floods and earthquakes and landslides. Are those uh, disasters that you need additional coverage for or riders for, Rick?
6: Yes. Uh, and it's really shocking that many people don't realize that their policies will not cover them for such things that they are routinely going to be victims of. And that's exactly why the policies won't cover you. Because let's face it, they don't want to have to cover you for something that they know you're going to need. So if you're in a high risk zone, you need to check with official local flood and, and earthquake maps and talk with your insurance agent to make sure that you do get coverage for these kinds of, of risks.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think it's also important to sort of pay attention to what your deductible is and how often and what kind of deductible you might be facing, right?
6: Yeah, most people don't realize that policies have two different kinds of deductibles. One is a flat covers for a flat dollar amount for most losses, but there's another higher deductible if the loss is related to wind. Uh, So in a big storm, what was it that caused the damage? Was it rain or was it wind? And you need to make sure that you are properly protected and that you also understand the nature of the deductible so that you're not going out of pocket more than you expected.
2: You know, Rick, something that we've seen here in the area that was struck by Hurricane Sandy is some insurance companies are denying claims because they say that you don't have earthquake coverage. And you say, well, how, how does that apply here because this was a hurricane? Well, they claim that because the storm moved mounds of earth, that that triggered the earthquake claim. Uh, and as a result, you're not covered for it, we're not going to pay you. So they're always looking for a way to twist that language and get out of these claims.
6: You're right, and there's another common way that they do this. Let's say you're in a big storm, and there's both wind damage and flood damage. Well, the wind damage will be covered by your policy, but flood damage won't. And what money policies do is they have a clause called ACC, anti-concurrent causation, which means if you have both wind and flood, they assume that your damage is caused by the one they don't cover. (laughs) So you want to make sure that it's not heads they win, tails you lose kind of scenario with your policy.
2: We're talking to Rick Edelman. He's the chairman and CEO of Edelman Financial Services and a guy that's got a lot of financial expertise. We're talking about homeowner's insurance. Rick, I think one thing that a lot of our listeners don't recognize that we're very happy to point out to them when they call us about a roof leak is that's the kind of thing that homeowner's insurance is designed to cover, correct? Yes,
6: but you have to make sure that your policy is going to cover you not just for the leak to the roof, but for any damage that the dripping water then causes to your personal property. So you have to make sure that you understand the, the potential scenarios that can exist and that your policy will pay for that.
1: Now, Rick, I think there's a lot of confusion because, you know, Insurance is generally based on the cost it was to purchase your home, but then they go through this whole series of how much it might cost to replace your home. So how do you know if you actually have enough insurance to cover what you, you know, hopefully don't need but might.
6: Well, you need to make sure your coverage is accurate to today's environment. Remember that you don't need insurance for the entire cost of your home because that includes the value of the land. And the land isn't going to go anywhere in most cases. So if your house burns to the ground, the land is still there. What you need is enough insurance protection to rebuild the house. And this is where the trap incurs. Because you might have bought your house 20 years ago and it was Worth a lot less than it is today. By the same notion, you need to make sure that just because your house is worth one dollar amount, that a builder would actually rebuild the house for that dollar amount. So, the best thing to do is to talk to a local real estate agent and a local home builder and ask them the simple question If you were going to build this house from scratch, how much would it cost to do that? And then make sure you have that amount of coverage on your insurance policy.
2: Great advice. We're talking to Rick Edelman. He's the chairman and CEO of Edelman Financial Services. Rick, one more question before we let you go. Uh, prices for insurance uh, can vary, and it seems that it's the kind of purchase, like so many things in our financial lives, that we sort of set it and forget it, and we never go back and reevaluate the value of the policy. How often should we, we, we be re-shopping for homeowner's insurance? Oh,
6: probably every three years or so. It's called endowment bias. It's a fascinating phenomenon in behavioral finance. We tend to keep what we've got, even if what we've got isn't what's best. And the insurance industry knows this. So they know that we all get lackadaisical. We bought the homeowner's insurance a few years ago. It was a nuisance to do it. Now that we've got it, let's move on to other things. So they can raise our rates year to year, knowing we're unlikely to reshop the policy. So odds are, if you've gotten rate increases over the past several years, you might very well be able to shop, shop around and get a new policy that is lower in cost. You ought to take a look.
2: Great advice. Rick Edelman, the chairman and CEO of Edelman Financial Services. Thanks so much for stopping by the Money Pit, Rick. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. If you'd like to learn more about Rick's work, go to his website, which is rickedelman.com, and that's ricedelman.com, R-I-C-E-D-E-L-M-A-N.com.
0: The money pit is presented by diamond crystal salt. The benefits are bigger than you expected. After all, you're worth your salt. Diamond crystal salt. A brilliant choice since 1886.
4: You live in a body pit.
0: The Money Pit is brought to you by Liquid Nails. For tough jobs, demand the extraordinary strength of Liquid Nails brand heavy-duty construction adhesive. It bonds a wide range of materials, indoors and out, for a job done once, done right. Learn more about Liquid Nails brand heavy-duty construction adhesive at liquidnails.com.
2: Where home solutions live. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. The number here is 1-888-MONEYPIT. I'm Tom Kreitler.
1: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: And one caller we talked to on the air this hour is going to win the Aquasana AQ4100, a very cool water filter with a showerhead. It's BPA-free and gets rid of 60 contaminants. It is also great for softer skin and healthier hair. Visit Aquasana.com for more information. It's worth 85 bucks. Well, one of the biggest causes of high heating bills is cold air infiltration, otherwise known as a draft. You can easily cut down on those with a few tips, and we have them presented by Stanley Tools right now. First up, weatherstripping. It's an old standby, and it really works. You want to use it around your doors, all around your house. Now, if you've got doors that aren't used very often in winter, you can cover the bottom with a draft snake. It's a long stuffed tube that seals off the bottom gap between the door and the floor.
1: Mm -hmm. And you know what? For a few bucks, you can get a window insulation kit at any hardware store or home center. Now, this kit is going to include a plastic film that you put over your windows, and it's a temporary solution. You just use it in the winter season. But it does make a huge difference in sealing out that cold air. I mean, you'd really be surprised at just how much cold air gets through your exterior walls. So you want to look around those walls for any outlets or light switches and you can get foam gaskets. You know, they basically just look like a foam outlet cover or a foam light switch cover. And it goes on the back side and sort of just seals everything up. And you want to use those on the exterior walls only.
2: And you know, another product that's really cool to use to weatherstrip these days, it's called weatherstripping caulk. It's kind of like a clear caulk. And if you have like an old window that's super drafty and you're not going to use it all winter long, you can essentially caulk it shut. And then what happens in the spring, because it's a Temporary caulk, you grab the edge of it and you peel it off and it comes off in sort of one long sort of rubbery strip. You just don't want to use that in any window that you might have to get out of in the event of an emergency, like for example, a bedroom window. Now, these winterization tips are brought to you by Stanley Tools, makers of the Fat Max Auto Locking Tape Roll. It locks in place so you can measure with one hand and mark with the other. To learn more, visit stanleytools.com.
1: Sean in Ohio is on the line. and need some help with a moist basement. Tell us what's going on.
2: Uh, yes, uh,
5: my basement, I finally got the outside fixed. I heard you guys say if it's a rain event, it's usually uh, drainage, so I got that done. And Oh, great. And now there, there's like some kind of ceramic or uh, waterproofing on the walls, and it's flaking off onto the floor. And it's been there. The house was built in the 70s, and I was wondering a good way to Clean that up, what I could put on the walls to re waterproof it.
2: Okay, so I think what you're talking about our mineral salt deposit is sort of like a whitish, grayish, uh, powdery substance.
5: Yeah, yeah, this is like it's been spackled on, though.
2: Oh, so somebody put something on the walls and it's releasing and falling off the block. Right. Hmm. Okay, what do you plan to do with these walls?
5: I just want to just waterproof them again, get the mold off of them, and clean them up.
2: So I don't know that you have mold on the walls. It sounds to me like you've got some sort of a finish that's separating. So can you scrape it off? Will it will it will it release easily?
5: Yeah, yeah. I just don't know. Being in the seventies, where might have asbestos in it, or is there a good better way to clean it up?
2: I would say not likely. Of course, you could have that tested too. But if it's coming off easily, I would remove it. And if I put anything on the walls at all, it would simply be a damp proofing material like a Thompson's water seal. And remember, the purpose of that is not to waterproof your walls. It's to slow down the evaporation of moisture from the soil outside into the walls and any mineral salts that will be drawn through because of that. You're not going to waterproof simply by painting your walls. It just doesn't happen that way. You waterproof by redirecting the water away from the house, which it sounds like you've already tackled on the outside. Yeah, it took me about 15 years before I got it. Yeah, if it scrapes off easily, I would continue to take the rest of it off. I'd clean it up. I'd put a couple of coats of damp-proofing paint on it, and uh, and I'd call it a day. Oh,
3: okay. Well, thank you very much.
2: You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 888- Money pit. You know, people tend to think sometimes that everything that's black and dark is moldy, and it's not always the case, especially when you're talking about concrete block walls. The walls themselves don't grow mold, it's what's attached to them that grows the mold. And those home uh, test kits are notoriously inaccurate, and they could be misleading.
1: Well, there's so many different kinds. I think you're, you're bound to get some sort of reading.
2: And it's normal to have mold in a house. You're always going to have some level of mold. So it's, it, it, it's very misleading and really should only be used in the hands of a professional.
1: You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Up next, we've got easy and inexpensive Halloween decorating ideas that you can do with your kids. you got to love it. The Money Pit continues after this. You
4: live in money Pit.
0: The Money Pit is brought to you by the new Chamberlain MyQ Garage. When you forget, it alerts your smartphone so you can close your garage door from anywhere on most garage door openers. Coming soon. For more information, go to Chamberlain.com.
2: Making good homes better. Welcome back to The Money Pit, home improvement radio show on air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler.
1: And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we want to hear from you. So post your questions in the community section of The Money Pit like Debbie in Texas did, who writes, I have white glossy tile in my kitchen. I hate it. It shows everything. It's in good shape, but is there any way to color or texture it?
2: What about adding a runner over the tile? Because you can't really color tile, but I guess you could color the grout though, right?
1: You could. I mean, we talk about, tinting grout or dyeing grout, whatever you want to call it, often. In this situation with the tile being super white and so glossy, it might just draw more attention to it. I, like you, Tom, am a big fan of, you know, area rugs in all spaces of the house, including the kitchen. I like to use a long runner that has an interesting texture or pattern to it, depending on the decor style of the homeowner, in front of like a expansive cabinetry with sink, you know, like your work area. You could do that strategically, Debbie, to hide a lot of stuff.
2: Yeah, that makes, I think, more sense. The problem with the tile is that you're kind of stuck with it. But if you really hate it, you could always add a laminate floor and just put it right on top of the tile.
1: Mm -hmm. And if you go to Lumber Liquidators, they always have an assortment of laminates, like starting at $2 a square. So not expensive.
2: Well, getting your house into the Halloween spirit doesn't have to leave your bank account looking a bit scary. Leslie's got some decorating tips that are both budget and eco-friendly in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word.
1: Yeah, I love Halloween. I mean, it really is such a fun time of year. It's a great holiday, and you can truly get into the spirit without breaking your decorating or your energy budget. It doesn't have to cost a lot of money, guys. You just have to be a little bit creative. Now, if you don't want to go to the store and buy expensive decorations that you'll just have to find room to store, think do-it-yourself. This is a really fun idea. Instead of buying special lights and driving up your electricity bill, you can cover up a window or two with inexpensive black paper that you cut out into fun, spooky Halloween shapes. It could be like a witch with her hat or a ghosty shadow or Frankenstein with his arms straight out. You know, whatever you feel like drawing and cutting out doesn't have to have a face or anything. It's essentially just a silhouette. And when you tape it to the interior of the window, you throw your lights on inside and you sort of get this great spooky effect. Super duper fun. You can recycle the paper when you're done because they'll probably be all faded and you won't want to reuse them next year. Now, another inexpensive and green project that your kids will love involves buying some inexpensive glow-in-the-dark paint. You can get it at any craft store. And then you gather up some rocks and you paint them and just sort of scatter them around your property or make a walkway up to the front door. And they'll just sit there all day in the sunshine getting ready to glow. As soon as it's sunset, they sort of make this cool, eerie glowing effect around your yard. And don't forget, guys, the original Halloween decoration, the jack-o'-lantern. They're great. They're super easy. They're fun to do with the kids. If you're not that great at carving, you can paint something on the pumpkins. You can also just use, like, melon ballers. Or I like to use, um, like, vegetable peelers to just thin out the exterior skin of certain parts of the pumpkin. Because then it kind of glows when you put a candle on the interior. And don't throw away the seeds, guys. Clean them up really nicely. Throw away the pulp. Don't ever put the pulp in a toilet or down a disposal. Just throw it all away. But those seeds, wash them well. Let them dry in a paper towel. Put some nice seasoned salt on there or some kosher salt and roast them in the oven at like 400 for maybe 10 minutes. And they are the most delicious snack ever.
2: This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Coming up next time on the program, our series on Sandy Recovery continues as we follow the team at This Old House as they help three Jersey Shore homeowners. And in the next edition, we're going to learn about the town that was pretty much wiped off the map. Remember the TV footage, Leslie, of the house sitting in the middle of Barnicate Bay? Oh, yeah. That house was washed off its foundation in Maniloking, New Jersey. We'll have details on the next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler.
1: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: Remember, you can do it yourself. But
1: you don't have to do it alone.